That's the song. That's the Mailman Sky song. I just wrote it. What the fuck was that? <laughs> don't. Don't even bother. Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chad Rutherford. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Kinnick. Today, we're going to be talking about No Man's Sky, which was released in 2016 and uh, was developed by Hello Games. The game itself is a is an open-world exploration survival light game. It's kind of a difficult game to classify, and I feel like it operates differently for a lot of people. Like, depending on who's playing it, the way that you're going to play it is going to be a lot different. And that particular diversity of approaches, something that has become wider over time, as they have desperately tried to satiate like thousands upon thousands of rabid people and in, uh, in the aftermath of uh, their own public promises. Um, so if you're talking about the initial launch build of the game, like the scope of the kind of person who can play and enjoy this is a lot narrower than it is these days. And for clarification, we are talking about what's next? Next. We're next? Okay. Yeah, it's like D&D next, right. but with less role-playing. <laughs> Slightly. You can turn yourself into a cool triangle head man, which is all I really needed. <laughs> That's enough role-pay for me in this yeah. space odyssey. Uh, I do want to... I guess, Okay, a couple of things. Uh, the first thing that we need to probably get out of the way. This game released to a, a, a heaping helping of controversy that I'm sure nobody listening to this is a stranger to. Uh, the game, the, the developer of the game, particularly Sean Murray, who was the one that got brought on to do interviews for different things, including going so far as to appearing on actual, like, national television shows, which is pretty uncommon. It's uncommon for game developers and borderline unheard of for uh, an indie developer to do this. Uh, but went on to, to national television, talked about the game, and talked in sort of this, like, wide-eyed innocence about the idea behind the game and the things that uh, they wanted to accomplish with it. And basically the game that was shipped is not the same as the creator's own idealistic view of it, which is, uh, well, it was a lie for the <laughs> most part. Like, I, I, don't, I don't take as harsh a stance as, like, uh, uh, Big Cock 69 on the internet does. <laughs> That this is what I'm going, <laughs> what I'm going with for my g just this is an internet handle gag. Okay, could have been better. Yeah, uh, my improv skills not on point for that. <laughs> but uh, it, it was there was a bit of of misleading uh, advertising for this game. I had no experience with this. I did not see any advertisements. I had a vague notion of what the game was supposed to be when I picked it up. And in fact, most of the playtime that I have in this game comes from before this update. It comes from the launch version of the game. And I uh, am one of the few people I know who actually came out pretty positively because I wasn't expecting something on a grander scale than what I got. Um, I don't even know how to phrase this, but, like, I don't know how you didn't, like, 
see any advertising for this game because it felt like literally everyone on the internet was talking about it before it came out and i mean even if you put that kind of stuff aside like yeah the developers are at fault for like talking so grandiosely about the game when they shouldn't have but like even if you put all that aside because i don't really care about it either right um i feel like this game on paper feels like it has so much possibility space and I think that's what leads to like so many people being really disappointed with it because it ends up just being like a walking sim exploration l- with a little bit of survival stuff in it. And when someone like describes the game to you before you've had any, uh, if you know, if you don't know anything about it, you would imagine so much like <laughs> more shit that you could do in the game. And I think that's where a lot of the problems come from with like public opinion on the game. No, and I, I can for sure see that. And the other thing is I don't begrudge anybody feeling uh, like cheated or lied to or just disappointed. All of those feelings are not, they're one, not unique to this type of a game. Like a lot of people have felt disappointed over other games that they've uh, bought and played based on like a hype cycle that precedes the game's actual release before people really know what a game is about. This game just happened to be like a very high profile version of it, and it comes largely due to how insanely well this game sold at launch. Like millions and millions of copies of this game were sold immediately, and like there was a big old scandal, and everybody returned to their game, and they extended deadlines for uh, refunds so that people could return the game in case they thought, like, oh, maybe it just takes a few hours to get started, and that kind of a thing. Uh, I wasn't one of those people clamoring for a refund, but I don't think that those people were necessarily misguided or anything. Uh, I ignored all of this because I am an old person, and I don't care about the youth or the things that the youth do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not buy this game at launch because I knew immediately that it was not for me, because it looked too progressive and too much... (laughs) (laughs) It looked too much like... When I say progressive, I don't mean liberal. I mean, like, progressive, like, prog rock. Like, there's too much, like, light, colorful things. It does kind of feel like it would appeal to someone that likes Minecraft or something. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you're getting at? No, no. That that is more true now. However, I love what he is getting at, (laughs) which is that it could appeal to somebody who listens to Rush. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Like, that is the perfect embodiment of this game, where it's this sort of, like, far out, like, retro sci-fi sort of like vibe to it and a lot of other positive reviews of this game that i've seen focus on sort of that aesthetic aspect where this game feels like it's ripped from the covers of paperback sci-fi novels from 1960 1970s and i do agree with that and i kind of that's part of what i love about the game but we, we can talk about that sort of more in depth uh after we Get, I don't know, get through this, like, (laughs) elongated introduction. My point is merely that I knew from the outset that this game functionally couldn't be a lot of what people expected of it at the time. Regardless, I mean, that's not to diminish the ludicrous technical achievements of what this game is. Mm -hmm. It's just you can't simulate, like, everyone's space opera, because space (laughs) opera's defining features are, like, their unbelievable complexities in lots of crazy ways. Uh, But I frankly wasn't interested until 
everyone kept talking about it and the game kind of experienced its more recent like renaissance as they kept updating it to such an extent that it now had that the discussion was less dominated by people's expectations and more by the present systems available in the game um, and while i didn't think the game could be this crazy space opera at launch considering that people that public opinion had actually started to shift on it was just mind-blowing to me because it suggested they might have actually partially succeeded at that goal. Right. And that's why I wanted to play it. And uh, not to what I'm sure is make the same joke that everyone has, though honestly this I've not heard anyone else do it yet. I feel like after two years of development and the multiple patches they've put through the game to enhance the, the content, in some way they've transformed No Man's Sky into every man's sky where every possible way to interact they've attempted to amp up and introduce more systems and more things to you know base your adventure on and uh we'll i believe go into our own experiences here but i'm not overly thrilled with the changes is how much of, like, a euphemism is that? Like, <laughs> are you saying, like, like, eh, I could take or leave the changes? Or, like, fuck these changes! <laughs> no, it is not, I, uh, no, that does not belie any, uh, hidden malice toward the changes. Mm -hmm. The I find that they're mostly additive overall, like, the difference between the base game, uh, which I think I'm the only one who played. I know that you've seen a little yeah, bit of it. Yeah, I watched you play it, and I... From what I remembered, other than being able to play in third person, I didn't notice anything different about the game. <laughs> but, I mean, it might just be because it's been so long. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of uh, additional layers of systems. And things well, also there were shelters. Play. I don't think that was in the original build. Yeah, the base building was introduced. And I think it's either the first or the second. So I, I, like many people, played this game when it came out. Played it for until we I was done with it. And then came back after next because this is like the big explosion of content that they have put out and are now experiencing the previous uh the the base building one uh i think it's called pathfinder where they introduce vehicles and uh uh atlas rising where they introduced a plot to the game uh and then next with all of the additional enhancements like terrain morphing and all that shit um the reason that I say that I wasn't overly thrilled is mostly because, while it's all additive, I can't really... Like, if there's anything I don't like, I just didn't engage, which is fine, because this game gives you lots to engage with now. Uh, I just... A lot of it just felt super unnecessary to me. Like, missions don't seem like a thing that I needed or wanted at all. <laughs> there's, like, a weird, like, sort of... I don't know. I'll, in between bouts of playing this game, preparing for the podcast, I was busy, like, hoovering up all the No Man's Sky content that I could find because I knew from the outset that I wasn't going to experience a tenth of what was there. Like, even mechanically, that they've added to this game. And I'm pretty sure that I was right. Like, I maybe, like, 12%, but that's about it. I'm deeply interested in how you feel about this game, Andy. Um, I I ended up like watching Chad play it. I felt like it seemed boring as sin, like <laughs> just 
completely boring in every conceivable way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I found, like, actually playing it myself, I enjoyed it more than I expected. But, like, there's just not enough to latch on to for me. And, like, the lack of variety in, like, the... You go to each planet and it kind of feels the same, but it just looks different. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everything... All the variety is more or less just in, like, the color of the planet and the actual, like, terrain of it. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, you land on the planet and, like, there's, like, some, like, shelters there. And there's, like, an alien sitting in a chair inside with, like, a clipboard or something. You know, like, it's, like, the same thing on every planet. Uh, That's basically was my experience. Like, it's just not quite enough to, to engage with for me. I like the base, like, exploration, but I feel like there's not enough interesting things to find what did your mechanical loop look like because like chad correctly recognized here i think everyone's loop in this game is going to be different potentially vastly different um well i was going through trying to just speed through the like main initial quests so i was just following that initially but once i stopped it was like go like basically just go to a planet and try to explore it as much as i could but i'd find that that would quickly get boring for me and then kind of like rinse and repeat like that like the most like exciting part of the game for me is actually seeing the planet from space and like traveling to it and wondering what it might be like you know entering the atmosphere landing and walking around for a little bit and then it just kind of drops off for me yeah, okay, so I don't agree with that. I mean, I, it's not that I don't agree with you not enjoying something. Right. Because that's entirely subjective. But my subjective experience was basically the opposite of that, where my primary engagement with this game was just... The things that I wanted to do, that this game would occasionally put hurdles in my way and occasionally just supered not and let me do what I wanted... Uh, was to find a planet that looked neat, land on it, and then just walk around for, like, hours. And I never got to a point where I felt like that was, uh, like, a sustainable activity in order to, like, feel like the game was doing anything for me. Um, But there were times when, you know, I would... A lot of my early time with this game was, like, I found a cool planet that had, like, caves in it. And I just was, like, spelunking for a long time and going around and going, like, oh, look at this shit and, like, whatever. And then, like, my inventory would fill up and then I had to, like, make an excursion from the cave, which was sort of like, like, that's the kind of story that this game wants you to tell, right? It wants you to be, like... I got to the cool planet, and I looked around for a while, and I found this crevasse, and I <laughs> hopped into it, and I crawled through it, and on my hands and knees, and what really, you're just, like, holding W, looking around, and getting some carbon off of some shit on the walls, and then having to, like, make my way back out and find my ship. Um, because of this, like, some of my favorite changes that they made to the game where it's like, the ability to call your ship to you is really nice because you don't have to like make the trek all the way back to where you landed and it kind of gives you more of an open exploration. I found a planet that was just like entirely ocean and that was dotted with islands all over it. 
And the water was horribly toxic, but I could make my way to another island by swimming, and it was really, like, I don't know, like, something about that was just, like, relaxing, even though I was kind of on a time limit, I could just, like, refill my, you know, life support systems as I went, and that kind of thing is just, like, that's what I was here for, and all the additional stuff uh, maybe didn't add to that. Yeah, it's just... It's like for me, it would be like similar, where I'd like I come across a cool cave or a lake or something, I'd be like, oh, neat, and like I go <laughs> into like the cave, I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool, and then it's like, oh, but there's nothing to do in here. I mean, like it's kind, <laughs> it's kind of nice to look at, and like I go through it and I come back out, okay, you know, move on. I'll appreciate it for what it is, and I'll move on. <laughs> but then I find another one, and it plays out exactly the same. It looks the same inside. There's also nothing to do in it. And, like, that really, like, there's diminishing returns were, like, very real in this game for me, where it's just, like, I feel like it's going to be, like, my main thing, and it's a very shallow thing to say, but it feels like there's, you quickly run out of things to do. You really want, you quickly run out of diverse things to do. Yeah. Well, You can do a lot of... You can blast a million rocks. (laughs) You know, yeah. you could you could get in the game and be like, I'm going to blast every rock on this planet. Right. And you would play the game for like 500 plus hours doing <laughs> yeah. that. The, the concept of this game basically boils down to, do you want to blast a million rocks? Well, too fucking bad. <laughs> One million rocks is not even a drop in the bucket <laughs> for the amount of rocks that you can blast in this game. You can <laughs> blast rocks until the day you die. <laughs> you will not have made one grain of sand's progress toward the rocks that we put in this fucking game. Correct. You can't handle our rock-generating algorithm... Uh, man do i hope we got the audio (laughs) levels right because that's just gonna blow everybody's fucking ears out yeah but like no yeah like but as much as i would keep playing i just felt like it was missing like that one thing for me to latch on to like a reason to go to that next cave and a reason to swim in that next lake (laughs) or whatever thing i might find and think was initially cool uh what about you jj there is a version of this game that I could play for the rest of my life, <laughs> and this is not that version. Sure. It's real close. Specifically, why did I say that like a like a weird... Like you were like... Specifically! <laughs> you were like by surprise by yeah. how specific yeah. this is going to be. Specifically, I think, honestly, the core mechanical hook of the game, the way they implemented the build yourself up from nothing crafting system, Mm -hmm. I found almost universally just a hindrance to my enjoyment of this game. Not all crafting. I like crafting. And there's lots of elements of this game that I wanted to engage with from a crafting perspective. I just always felt like everything that I had to do, I was always building up from the lowest tier because all of your basic methods of engagement consume resources. That was the thing that I found more annoying than anything else about this game. Honestly, if I had... If I didn't have to refill the, any of, like, your equipment or... Not, not necessarily the fuels. I can get the utility for why you want to have to force exploration in each zone for, like, warp fuel and things like that. Right. But the the number... The amount of time that I had to spend just, like, mining ferrite 
just so I could get my terrain generator working again. Yeah. Like, I felt like 30% of my time in this game was like meaningless, busy work to re-engage with the other 70% of this game. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that 70% a whole lot, like weirdly a lot. I completely sympathize with what you're describing, Andy, where you get to a location and there's nothing there to hold your attention. And my ideal version of this game would be one in which you didn't have those crafting elements that forced you to engage with any particular planet long enough for it to get boring and annoying. Like, I don't think it'd be a problem to have each planet be really shallow like that. If you could just pop in, be like, oh, this is neat, and then, like, pick up some copper and leave. But no planet is like that. Every planet, at least in the early game, for, like, the, what, like 20 hours or something I spent with it, right. is you're going to stick on this planet for about, like, hour and a half, maybe, roughly. <laughs> Build up these resources. Make sure, you know, don't mess up with how you're taking off and landing with your vehicle. Because if you forget to get something before you leave, you got to restart the whole process. Got to get more fuel for that now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was redoing the same base mechanical interactions over and over again frequently enough that I didn't have the kind of freedom that I wanted to in a game like this. Again, it seems like it should be entirely about freedom. Yes. Uh, I know that there's like a free, like a creator mode or something, one that turns off most of these things and makes it more Minecrafty. but yeah. that's not what I want either. Like, I want to be able to build up to a fucking freighter. Like, mm-hmm. I want to have that kind of crafting interaction, but the game just threw up too many barriers for that. Like, an- another barrier, even outside of having to refuel all your own equipment, is the way that there's a separate nanite currency to unlock bl- blueprints. Mm-hmm. In particular... I don't see any good reason in this system for why I don't have most, if not all, blueprints for, like, craftable items immediately. Like, like you just get it from your computer? Yes. Yeah. Well, there are certain things that I think... So, the game wants to give you a sense of progression, and additionally, especially post the uh, uh, Atlas Rising update, it wants to give you a reason to go interact with the beings in the universe, mm-hmm. and uh, part of the way that they do that is through... The, the quest structure, the uh, addition of, like, freighter mechanics, like, your fleet mechanics, which I actually did kind of really like, and if I go back to this game, is something that I do want to explore deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your shops and your ship upgrades, all that kind of thing. Uh, and because of that, they sort of are forced to have to make that worthwhile in some way. I agree that a lot of blueprints I feel like you should be able to start with, but I see, like, things like upgrades, like, see, like I got, like, recently, like, one that allowed me to jetpack for, like, a fucking year and a half. Yeah. Not at all true, but, like, it was, like, a good, like, 25% increase or something. I was happy to have it. I liked flying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that kind of thing should be behind at least some kind of a wall, something that you have to hurdle to get to it. My issue is more with sort of the the resource grind, particularly of the more common materials, and the reason is because you know that you need a bazillion of them at all times. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly collecting them, but then you have to manage your resources, you got to put things in your initially incredibly limited inventory space. And then you have inventory space that you can only access when you're on your ship, and then you have the world's most inconvenient thing in the whole world, which is inventory that you can only access when you're on the freighter. And... That loop is really what fucking destroyed it for me, where mm-hmm. I that's why I kind of honed in on the I just want something to like put a podcast on and tool around in space 
uh, kind of game because the crafting just did not super engage with me. Not at all. Like, I, in the early game especially, I was actively feeling like if I picked up some of the rarer elements or if I found something I'd never seen before, something that in a game like this should be like part of the core engagement where I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? It's radioactive, <laughs> crazy You ball. feel like you're going to have to throw it away? Uh, yes, and I have many times. I don't know how much, like, I picked up like a thing of neon and I have no idea what it's for. And the game, because it, I couldn't access any of the other blueprints... It was literally useless to me, and I had no way of knowing what it was for. Yeah. So I'm sure I threw away tons of, like, rare endgame equipment just because of a lack of inventory space and no way for me to know the comparative value of things that weren't immediately necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should be able to, like, access your ship's inventory from anywhere or have some kind of, like, way to send goods somewhere else. They did introduce this. Mm-hmm. I don't know when you pick it up and you have to do a certain number of things, like related to the plot to get it i happen to have one when i restarted it now uh and by restarted i mean re-picked it up there's really no reason to ever restart no man's sky uh but uh, a thing called the i think it's the atlas pass is the one that does it or something else allows you to transfer goods from you to your ship Mm. and from you to the freighter but you can't uh it doesn't go the other way yeah. And that's the part. That or, like, sucks. you should be able to, like, set up a camp and be able to, like, deposit materials at the camp or something. Oh, you something. can do that. It's yeah, just, that it's just really hard to access the camp. Yeah. 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 Well, unless you... So, yeah, this is... Now, this is meaty, because this is where we're talking about the parts where this game, like, almost pulls the wool over your eyes and goes, quality of life changes, but in reality, it's just more grinding to do. Mm-hmm. Because if you get 16 of these glyphs... You can activate these teleporter portals, and then they can teleport you to a base on a planet that you just kind of, like, dial into, and then then it's really convenient to get to a base to get your shit, because you just go to a space station, hop in the porter, jump on over to your, uh, to your base, and there you are. You're back on the planet, whatever system it was in. But the grinding required to accumulate all of that stuff is probably dozens of hours. And that's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't even really engage with the base building too much because, one, it's resource intensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, like, in the in the world of No Man's Sky, I'm, like, mid-game. And that's not where you need to be spending a bunch yeah. of resources well, building the house. How much, like... Like, how deep is, like, the system? Because, like... I, I only engage with, like, the tutorial base building part, mm-hmm. and I could just, like, make a very basic-ass-looking shelter. Like, do they have other, like, skins and oh. textures and things to put on them? Fuck yes. Could, like, <laughs> is there a point in this game that I could get to where I could land on a planet and build, like, an Ewok village in the trees? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. That's pretty sweet. There is pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> At no point is depth ever a problem in this game. Right. Like, you have an infinite amount, especially after all these goddamn updates, of things and goals that you can set for yourself at any time. My, and I love that about this game, there is just a version of it with more permissive base systems where the things that you're doing over and over again aren't taxing or don't take up as much of your mental energy that I would love and i feel like it would really benefit the game to like get into that quicker yeah i i've heard roughly quoted a few different places like 
20 to 40 hours is what it takes before you can like you're out of every possible tutorial for all the ludicrously yeah. large number of Cause systems. Because I think I played for like 11 hours, and like that was me getting through the tutorial and then exploring part of one the galaxy, like a couple planets. Right. Yeah, it's a it is a it is a, a narrow in scope, but each like thing that it chooses to to give you to do is incredibly deep. It's really strange. It's like if, if rather than if you were digging a mine in order to mine resources, which is what this game wants you to do, so I'm using it as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of you know digging a mine shaft and then digging out from once you got there, so making a procedurally generated or a procedural generation algorithm that creates planets in space. And then seeing what you could do from there by expanding out and getting to all of the the ore that's that's in the mine, mm-hmm. you instead d- went back up to the top and then moved and then just dug another deep hole, <laughs> hoping that you would land in like a convenient location like cool vehicles or very intense base building mechanics or you know, like, new procedurally generated cool skies and fauna, which I'm a huge fan of. But then sometimes just fucking drill into the dirt for hours and hours and get nothing, which is where I think some of the the things that they decided to do with this game... It has a limited verb set, and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Like, if I wasn't in grad school and was also 15... (laughs) <laughs> and this would be this would fill the same headspace that I feel like MMOs filled for me at that time and I would eat this game up. I would snarf it down like the best of sausages. But like <laughs> like because I am an adult and I'm unwilling to put in the amount of time in the based repetition of your interactions, it just hurts the entire game for me. Like this is probably the most literal or let's say this is the most comparable case to me of, like, the Final Fantasy thirteen rule. Like, I bet this game's awesome if you get deep enough into it for a deep enough amount of time where those kind of resource expenditures become trivial to you, but I'm unwilling to put in that time. And I think if a game has, like, a 30-hour barrier mm-hmm. to getting to the point where it is good, that is a problem with the game. Like, a deep problem and enough that I'm willing to overall step back from it. I wonder if I could pay like a uh, like a Korean account boosting company <laughs> <laughs> to get me a No Man's Sky save file that's just further into the game so that I could do the things that I enjoy doing. You know what I, I really enjoy doing? Um, I like taking breaks from podcasts. You want to do that? That sounds fantastic. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll be back and we'll talk a little bit more about the mechanical engagement. See you guys in a minute. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, so we were just having a conversation that I'm not going to let you guys hear any of, ever. <laughs> dick in your mind. A dick in your mind. But, uh, which kind of reminded me of something that we just didn't really touch on very much, uh, which is the like aesthetic of this game. We, we talked about it sort of harking back to like paperback covers 
of sci-fi novels and whatnot. And I, I hold that that is what they were going for. Uh, but Andy, how happy are you for the episode art to have such a like incredibly strong iconography present in this game? Um, well, I, I hate to disappoint you, <laughs> but I feel like the cover art's so good that whatever I come up with is going to feel really derivative of that. That's probably true. But the thing is, so the Atlas, as as put forth in this game, is always represented by this sort of like diamond shape. Like it's like a beveled diamond. Mm-hmm. Like the Skyrim logo. Like the uh, Sims. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> it is in itself derivative because it is a basic shape. Yes. Uh, but it gives this uh like so you talked about the, the box art for the game. If you look at the box art of the game, what they present you with is this like semi lush green landscape. With, like, a weird colored sky. Well, actually, it's not a green landscape. It's a red That's landscape. Okay. But then it has this contrasting, like, the title, the game's title, with the symbol in the middle of it. And uh, I think that that is, like... Because everything, uh, like, all else aside, procedural generation of this means that there cannot be a consistent aesthetic to every planet in the game. However... They really love and have tweaked the algorithm in such a way to make that, like, contrasting colors and weird combinations seem to be the norm when it comes to just going around. You can see it in, like, uh, when you're doing, like, your pulse engine, it's just, like, it looks like Christmas lights. Like, it's just every imaginable color flying by you at light speed. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I always found that kind of thing, like, the just outrageous coloring and, like, visual elements present in this game were just a consistent draw for me. Yeah, it almost kind of feels, like, cell shady in that way. There's, like... I don't, I, there's probably a name for this that I should know, but like those very like, like almost kind of like like uh, Pantone kind of colors that are just really appealing. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't have an example. <laughs> like I thought I did. Like it reminds me of like even something like uh, Overwatch or like The Wind Waker in its color scheme. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like the way that the the, the way that they're rendered, yeah, yeah. It gives it this sort of. I mean, I, I wanted to say otherworldly, but there are too many worlds <laughs> yeah. to know which one it's even. You know, yeah, from. they're definitely trying to make it feel alien with like the mixing of the colors, which is nice. Yeah. So I love all that, but have you guys? And uh, just full disclosure, I didn't. Uh, ever encountered a chromatic planet? Oh god, I specifically looked for them and failed. Yeah, it's not like a super... I mean, I don't want to say it's not super common. Do you mean it's monochromatic? Like, no, they're nope. like a specific designation oh, okay. that like, this is a rarely thing. comes up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is like one of the few, one of the things in the game that are supposed to be like the carrot at the end of your explorations deck, where it's like it's a super rare thing that's generated by the algorithm. Okay. Right. Uh because they they'll like tweak the algorithm to when like certain conditions are met, it generates a planet that is, uh, like unique in some way. And a lot of them are are just like extra alien, where like certain things are tweaked into. It's like if you took like the sliders in a game with character creation and just uncapped it and let you just like fuck with it 
in, infinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'll be like huge plants or like rock formations that are way outside of like the usual realm. But the chromatic planets are interesting in the way that they do them is they'll choose like a color or sometimes two colors and that'll be like your base color for everything on the planet and then everything else is like a washed out gray. Mm. And it is like creepy and intimidating when you like approach one from what I've seen. Yeah. I feel like they should have done more stuff like that with the whole game. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. No, no, they, they, they did well, not Well, not that specifically, but like more like weird, like a larger range of variations. Yeah. They did intentionally increase the amount of variation as part of the updates that they went yeah. through. There used to be less of that poor, poor souls playing launch. No, man, I, I am very much for like an extreme, weird, rare planet, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a really neat like concept, and I think that it really like it gives you an appreciation for the regular visuals as well for having like seeing what it is like when less is used. You get to see like just how varied everything ends up looking. And I don't know, I just kind of, like, I loved it for that reason, more or less, entirely. Like, that whole concept, I think, is really good. I wish that they would apply similar concepts to the living creatures in the galaxy. Because I'm extremely happy, aesthetically, with the way the planet algorithm works. Which is almost, like, stupid to say, right? Like, it's the the reason the game exists, is because the planet algorithm is that good. Right. Uh, But... Like, I really could not care about those, like, stupid, moldy bird people. Like, it was, like, I don't... <sighs> Wait, are you talking about aliens or actual animals? No, 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 aliens, aliens. Okay. The, the stupid, moldy birds aren't people. You can kill those. I'm thinking right. about the ones that are given sentience and are also, like, strangely short. Like, those aren't procedurally generated, too, right? I'm assuming the, they can't because they have... the Gek? Like, yeah, the Gek. Yeah, yeah, That's, that's are... them. I got more of a lizard vibe from them. Yeah, I also did. Whatever, they're beaky. And they're, they're called geks. So I'm <laughs> assuming geckos were like the uh, they inspiration. Have a, they have a beak. They do have a beak. But said it's like some dinosaurs. Oh, Whatever. Like lizards that became birds. Yeah, it don't have to be a literal gecko, JJ. Science. Uh, <laughs> I forgot for a minute that gecko is actually the name of a lizard and that you weren't about to suggest they're referencing geks. Like the PS1 no. mascot. Right. Whatever. My ignorance there. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> edited out of the podcast. Yeah, this I was a... actually going to make a reference to Gex <laughs> when we started talking about this, and now I'm leaving this in, so too bad. Okay. Yeah, that was like something for that stood out for me as well. Is I wish there was more going on with the aliens. Like, I feel like that could have enhanced my enjoyment of the game, where if you landed on a planet and, like, things were happening to like the indigenous like people mm-hmm. like they're all in all always in space suits like implying that everyone else that you run into on the planet is also a spacefaring adventurer right just weird like you never just find like a village of aliens you know or something like i wanted that kind of stuff like i didn't want like a there doesn't have to be like a deep narrative thread you know that i can stumble onto in any one planet or anything but like if i could like Land on a planet, find an alien village, and it's, like, being attacked by local animals, and I can save them, or something like that, you know? Like, I wanted that kind of stuff. I wanted the aliens 
to play into it more. <laughs> What's the name of that like old fancy spaceman like Chuck Jones or like who's the guy with the gun? The guy with the gun. This old space gun serials uh, that Star Wars is based on. Flash Gordon. Flash, Flash Gordon. Gordon. That's it. Flash Gordon, which is like a football or, player. No, though. Buck, Buck, Buck Rogers. Rod. You're thinking of Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Whatever. However, Chuck Jones, <laughs> who I believe is actually an like an animator, if I yeah <laughs> yeah for Looney Tunes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doug Dodger, Dodger in the, from the 24th and a half century. So there's a thread here. However, <laughs> I'm going to cut that thread, and we are going to have a new mascot named Chuck Jones, <laughs> a like a Kimbo blaster wielding uh, space mercenary. Yeah. He's the no clip space guy mascot. Yeah, that's I can understand, and that's also something that I wanted out of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I just my expectations weren't that high going into it that I, right. I didn't think they'd be there. But yeah, that'd make the game way goddamn better uh it's i kind of felt like all the npc interactions in this game are kind of tonally similar to those like kind of force nice conversations you have with people who you have to be around on subways mm-hmm. <laughs> like like it's all like oh it's kind of pleasant and they seem pretty all right but there's like weird things about them physically and you, you never really yeah. get that deep people in on subways don't often want to stab your brain with needles though yeah what that's the thing that with the I want to say the the corvax or something one of the ones that have like the face plate mm-hmm. that like displays things uh the one of like the random encounter interactions with them is that they just like stab a needle into your brain and then give you money for it. <laughs> it's really good. Hmm. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I imagine after that point, you just leave, right? And yeah, you just walk away. Right. As far as I know, no ill effects. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just shallow. It's it's shallow in a way that reminds me of the shallowness that we interact with strangers because everyone kind of feels like a stranger in No Man's Sky. Yeah, I actually like what they're going for with, like, learning the alien language. Agreed. Like, finding the, what are they, runes or whatever, monoliths. Yeah, the, or... ta- yeah, the monoliths and the tablets and things like that. That's that's honestly one of my favorite systems that they implemented into the game. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that I didn't even think to mention yeah, it before. Yeah, I just, the execution, I, th- I think, is a bit sloppy. Yeah, it's, it's because it's so uncommon. Like, you basically have to stop, because when I started this game... I did this. I stepped at every planet in the system, named it, named all the fauna, named some of the flora. I wasn't. I take a, pr- a great pride in naming like some like weird hippo monster, mm-hmm. but like uh, every flower, eh, I don't think that that botany is my calling. Yeah. Um, There's no like, personality there, frankly. Like flowers well, don't really. Yeah, flowers are flowers. Yeah. I've seen some pretty cool plants in No Man's Sky. No lie, but. <laughs> My attention was not focused on them. Uh, but if you do that, you'll start picking up the language at a moderately good clip. However, uh, once you get into, like, the core engagement, you nev- you learn, like, a word, a system, maybe. It's, I don't know, like, I wish the game encouraged planetary exploration more than space exploration and it does the opposite the further into it you get Mm -hmm. and like the first thing it does when you get to a new solar system is it reminds you to like get a new warp cell so that you can go to the next Next one one. like you know you don't have to do that but like just always there like (laughs) in your quest log like hey you should be doing this next Mm -hmm. please (laughs) 
This is actually, Get to the center of that galaxy or whatever. Uh, this is actually, I think, as good a time of any to bring this up. Do you guys know the... Well, do you know the plot that was added in Atlas Rising, or do you know what the overarching plot of the main game was? I know everything. I don't know what they added. I know what the original like goal of the game was, or whatever you want to call it, the right. plot or whatever. Yeah, so the plot in the base game, Threadbare as it was, uh, is basically just get to the center of the galaxy, and when you get there, you'll confront Atlas, or at least like some avatar of Atlas that is that like big black crystal uh-huh. thing. And uh, basically they tell you like the universe was a simulation. It's like a weird meta thing and whatever. And personally, I think that's fine. Uh, the what they did afterward is make you restart the game, which was like kind of a weird choice, given the fact that like you could very easily just be sent back out to do more stuff. Because I don't think that finishing the plot really destroys what the core engagement is. Right. Uh, but then in Atlas Rising, they've added this whole other storyline where maybe you don't like stumble onto a planet and there are indigenous life forms that you have to save from like a a wild dragon bear attack or whatever <laughs> right. new unique horrible creature they've uh, dreamt up is but it does sort of delve deeper into like the motivations and it's all very pulpy and i think that the writing and the way that the story is presented is actually really good but i didn't care <laughs> like I, it was really hard for me to care because it yeah. was so distant from what I was engaging with. Yeah, I feel like as it, it, speaking as somebody who loves narratives in games, right. I feel like a, a narrative is not what the game needs. I think it needs more, just like a little bit of sprinkling of like some authored content and some scenarios. I think that would go a lot further than putting a plot in. I agree because even the things that they did add to give you sort of, like, a helping hand in terms of, like, moving you forward throughout the game. Uh, A lot of it has to do with are you... are also procedurally generated things. It'll be like, uh, like, yeah, I'll do some missions. It's like, but it's just fucking random. Take a picture of five animals. Cool. (laughs) Did it. Sweet. What's next? Take a picture of three animals. (laughs) Uh, Like, alright, that sounds fine. Break into... uh, I get a a quest to break into a location and take something. I showed up, was attacked, left, they gave me the reward. (laughs) Like, the quests don't even necessarily work all the time. It's not a good, like, move the narrative forward, nor is it really a good changing your engagement with the world it's still just randomized nonsense to make you do randomized nonsense yeah obviously narratively speaking i never really got over the initial hump enough to really personally get into the meat of what the story was talking about but i know a lot about it because that was part of the reason that i wanted to re-engage in this game in the first place Mm -hmm. is i I read reactions that were happening later and that got me then which is why i know everything uh but i'm not gonna try and a poorly repeat what I've heard from other people. Right. Like specifically, go listen to Noah Cottle Gervais on this. Like his story synopsis on this is fantastic, and the way that they do like tons of metatextual elements in this game, where they intentionally try and address a lot of the specific problems people had with the game on launch on a narrative level, is as far as I know, like unprecedented in games generally, and I've really heard fantastic. About this. Yeah, one yeah. of the one of the like big story elements. Uh, sorry, 
a small story element that mimicked a like big real time thing was that like against what uh, Hello Games I'm sure thought was all the odds they could possibly put in. Two people ended up in the same place at the same time and were not able to interact with each other, effectively debunking a like weirdly defended multiplayer claim that I don't know. There was a weird whole thing circus that happened when this game came out. And they referenced that real life event specifically within the narrative in Atlas Rising, and that's like that's actually hilarious. pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that's a really good choice, I think. Because when you said that, like them trying to incorporate that kind of stuff into the narrative, that just sounds like it would be a dumpster fire to me. <laughs> oh no! But apparently, oh, if I I, t- I trust Noah Car- Caldwell Gervais' opinion, so I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, definitely not an enti- not a, not one complete dumpster fire. Yeah, it just seems like that would be really easy to just take that in a bad direction. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you don't you also don't want to seem patronizing, right? Know? Like, yeah. oh, why why are you? <laughs> or or the opposite, where you just kind of like shit on everybody's opinions, right? Your patrons are really weird, Chad. I know. Yeah, this is how people talk. To, they grovel. <laughs> they're they're just all... the parents from the peanuts. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Oh, you said patron, not peanuts. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? No man scar. Uh... Oh, okay. So. This is kind of like the last major thing that the game does mm-hmm. that we haven't touched on and I do want to talk about. Yes. And that is, I very much enjoy the way that space flight works in this game. I do very much not enjoy the way that space combat works in this game. I uh, agree 100%. <laughs> but I feel It's like it too has... hard to turn. Like... Y- you have, like, such a limited field of view, and you have mm-hmm. to, like, completely, like... It just does not work well. Yeah, it, c- it controls, like, the lightest flight simulator I- imaginable, where the controls vaguely mimic the way that they would work if you had, like, a flight stick and, like, the big, like, panel of buttons, but you don't. You just have a mouse and directional buttons, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of difficult to, like maneuver in any sort of like a tight yeah. way it feels like they just programmed like a basic like flying like uh m- mechanics into the game and then tacked combat onto it later when they felt like they needed more content i feel like i'm very excited for when we can build this up enough that jj finally explodes and gives <laughs> us his opinion uh I find it personally hysterical that the only space dogfighting, like, combat system I've ever truly enjoyed was Star Fox Zero. (laughs) I love that that's, like, the one game in my entire life that I felt like, yeah, you really nailed it. But the game nailed nothing else, and completely everything else was on fire, except for the dogfighting in Star Fox Zero. But yeah, really sort of taking some cues from, from that particular element of that game, because it's the only one that is good. I feel like this game and that game are actually contemporary. Yeah. Which is insane. (laughs) Uh, But they actually could not have taken inspiration from it due to weird development time. Well, the the update isn't contemporary, right? Because they only added dogfighting and, like, enemy ships, what, like, last year or something? 
No, there were enemy ships in the... Really? Yeah, because you could get... Because there'd be no reason to have lasers. Mining? Well, there's there's a mining laser. <laughs> you have two lasers on your ship at the beginning. I think there were, but I don't think there was anything that was like... Because when I started the game, uh, up again after the next update, I loaded in, got in my ship, went... and went to a new galaxy mm-hmm. immediately, and it was like... A fight has broken out. And I was like, oh, what? Like, uh, what happened? And they were like, defeat all six enemy ships. I was like, six? (laughs) (laughs) I've only ever seen, like, one other guy. (laughs) I left my, like, starting planet and was being followed by three ships immediately. (laughs) I was like, well, fuck. And I just did not engage with them at all. I was just able to, like, fly to the planet. They followed me to the planet into the atmosphere where I then was able to shoot them down from there, because it was easier to just kind of like Control. sit my ship and not have it moving and just kind of look around and shoot them. But like that, I feel like it was really unlucky. <laughs> I feel like dogfighting in this game feels like one of those big swirly pod arcade games. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like yeah. the ones that are meant to mimic the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I was just going to say the gun. Uh, <laughs> the turret. The yeah. turret, yeah, from the Millennium Falcon. Exactly. It's, it's like if you were in one of those turrets, but the base of the turret was one of those like giant plastic things you put under furniture to make it slide easier. Yeah. And then you're just like sliding around <laughs> See, on the yeah. turret independently. I always imagined it was like, I don't, and I feel like there has to be. Uh, an exact parallel to this in like a movie or whatever, a video game or something. Uh, but the cockpit is like set into the rest of the ship and can like freely move around because mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. Because that's what it like it looks like on your screen, right? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I, like I don't want to say it's a complete mess because I'm sure that it's less tedious if you have better ship equipment. But like nearly every ounce of resource that I had in this game was funneled into basically increasing inventory slots wherever it was possible. And, uh, like, so I just had whatever lasers the ship that I had was currently using mm-hmm. had. And, uh, yeah, like, maybe it's less tedious, but it's also just not, like, super enjoyable. Probably the, the worst part of this game, for me, uh, in my experience, and I know people, if you, the longer you play the more likely it is that you're going to find a worse experience uh, because this game uh, is still a little bit, like, buggy, which I think is kind of to be expected with a game like this. Yes. Uh, But was getting, like, space wanted. Like, I was a space outlaw, Mm -hmm. and then they sent the police after me. The space police. The space police. I'm not going to let you stop putting space in front of everything. Space Cash, (laughs) Baby Baby Fark, McGee's X. (laughs) How stupid is your planet? Uh, And we, we being me and my ship, uh, I guess, (laughs) flew out of the planet's atmosphere. It alerted me that they were sending the cops, the space cops, Mm -hmm. after me. And uh, I couldn't fight them. Like, there was just no chance I was going to win this fight. So what I did was I flew in a straight line for 15 real-world minutes until I entered the atmosphere of another planet. I realized that I probably could have turned around, but I was like six minutes in before I realized that they wouldn't ever give up. And so, yeah, I just had to fly... Without the pulse engines, because they disable them, mm-hmm. 
to another location. Ugh. Yeah, get out. And it only took 15 minutes? <laughs> it was like, I think I went to a moon. Yeah, you lucked out okay, there. Yeah. yeah. And got to a moon, and then took off, and then just hyper, and just went to a different yeah. galaxy. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm out of your jurisdictions, your space jurisdictions, space cops. Yeah. Because like if you if space you're traveling me, to a, space pigs, yeah, like if you're traveling to an, another planet and like you just disengage like the whatever faster speed, yeah, it's like uh, two hours to get to that planet. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh Jesus Christ! I really like that as a feature, by the way. Yeah, it, it, the, the way that they give you constant time estimates at all your different levels of speed. I think they're they're pretty close to perfect on the three like travel speed selections they have too that, that they, yeah. the, the tuning on that was pretty good but I love like it just adds so much for your perspective of the scale of the place for you to go like oh I'm just holding down W oh like seven weeks just <laughs> and then you hold down to shift and you're like 19 hours and then you pulse engine it and it's like oh a minute and a half yeah yeah I, really I don't like think I've this. ever got, they, I've never used the pulse engine and had a time estimate that was in the minutes you don't think I've ever seen it go like above like you'll be there in four seconds, and I'm like, when do I stop? Like I don't, I don't want to cry. I don't want to do a, a Han Solo thing. Oh yeah, I played chicken with this game real hard, uh, and it turns out it doesn't let you screw up with the pulse engines. You, you can just automate it. You can just put it and then just go straight toward an object, and then if it's ever dangerous, the game will be like, oh, the computer turned it off for you, so you don't die. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really Which is, convenient, frankly. But. Yeah, it's good. It's a good decision. Yeah, because I did the same thing when I started the game. I was like, I'm going to crash into the ground. And then it was just like, <laughs> whoop. <laughs> uh, oh, have I talked about the triangle people yet? The Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, but you didn't talk in depth. So go, go for it. Oh, okay. Here's the depth that I want to talk with them about. I like the uh, personal character customization in this game a whole lot. Uh, I like that it has absolutely no costs of any kind, mm-hmm. uh, and I like that as far as I can tell, the only like paid currency bullshitty stuff is really trivial, stupid jokes, and not any things that are like attached to your person. Uh, I love that you can just give yourself an awesome triangle head, <laughs> and just immediately from the first time that you visit one of those space stations, and the game doesn't care, doesn't force weird narrative inconsistencies on you, and it doesn't force you to make your whole character right at the start of the game. Right. Uh, it tries to get you engaged first, which is, you know, for this game, a pretty uphill battle. I can only imagine how much more frustrated I would have been if I had to keep following those prompts like when I'm an hour and a half into the game being loaded instead of 15 minutes. Yeah. But I do like the different aesthetic to the player characters and to the machine people. Oh, man, the machine people. Null's design is like one of my favorite robot designs ever. Null's design is very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. I have kind of the exact opposite feelings about the character How changing. Dare you? How dare you? <laughs> because I really like the idea of you being a person, like a, a lone person in space. I feel like I would have liked it a lot better if it was something you unlocked later. Because so it be, it's something that I would really enjoy playing around with, but mm-hmm. I like play like the theming of you being like a, a lone guy traveling through space a lot. I, I nodded in agreement for most of what JJ was saying, um, because it was things that I'm, I'm tertiarily aware of, but not on a first-hand experience, and the reason for that is because my No Man's Sky experience is that I was the person playing... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Because I never changed my character and never exited first-person mode. So there was never a time where I was like, 
I wonder if I'm a triangle head guy, or maybe mm-hmm. I'm a smelly frog man, or whatever. <laughs> it sucks enough that I'm a smelly frog man in real life, so I don't need to play one in a video game. <sighs> Uh, but no, I do. I like the. I like that they're both options, basically. Yeah, because yeah. like the fact that I mean, unless you're somebody one who wants to play as a human and two doesn't like playing in first person, then you're fucked. But otherwise, <laughs> you have you have the option to not right, engage with and that. I just didn't. Yeah, much like everything else in the game, you kind of just have the option not to do it. Yep. Except for mining those rocks. <laughs> Gross. So my question is, have we struck bedrock? Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we jump into final thoughts? No! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, my thoughts on this game uh, mirror a lot of what JJ was talking about near the end of the first half. Specifically, I think that given the fact that we we do this podcast largely because we have an appreciation for having like varied experiences and wanting to sort of play different games and have a different experience with each of them and have this conversation about it. And No Man's Sky is a game that wants you to play No Man's Sky for a very long time. Uh, and if I was in a position, like JJ said, not working full time and I was 15 or whatever, uh, then I would probably have played this game for a hundred more hours than I have and probably gotten a lot more out of it. But this is almost the same thing I had a problem I had with Assassin's Creed, where it's like, yeah, if I had a lot of time, this game has a ton of depth and a ton of things that I would love to get into. Like, I get excited thinking about some of the stuff that's in this game, and then I just don't do it because, you know, it's going to take forever to do that. And that's, that's kind of... The whole thing. The game is built on downtime, and I don't, I don't not like downtime in games. I just don't like the quantity of it that's here. Mm-hmm. This game, metaphorically speaking, it's not behind a paywall. It's behind a time wall, and I can appreciate how goddamn cool it would be to have my freighter fleet and to like send it out and to just like see like some pirates who are like flying around and like and, like, like scramble the jets and then you know <laughs> things are going bad and like three of my fighters get shot down so I like run out from the command post and like get down into like you know like like my personal fleet and like Darth Vader the situation up with like two guys like flanking me on the left and right uh, and running out and shooting down some pirates uh, but the problem is that that is a fantasy that is the same of everyone's fantasy that they want to have in a game with this kind of scope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a thing that humans can do right now. That's beyond, that's like in the, it's like two steps behind like teleporters is where I'm <laughs> placing like that kind of like actual consistent, open, free engagement. Uh, and I'm not willing to work this long and collect this much ferrite for a goal. I'm pretty sure the game can't meet yet for just pure technical and like t- human time limit reasons. Right. Like, I want that game. I know you want that game too. This isn't quite that game. It's close enough if you're unemployed that you might enjoy it anyway. Uh, I'm obviously, th- we found through the course of the episode, I'm way more negative on this game than you guys. <laughs> and uh, I feel like this is a game that I would like 
even less than I do now if I was played it when I was 15. <laughs> uh, but uh, I feel like, but as negative as I am on it, like I do kind of feel similarly to JJ, and I, I can imagine a version of this game that I like that isn't that much different. Like, if there was just this, there was just a little bit more, like, author content, like I said, like a little bit sprinkled in here and there, on different planets to make them feel a bit different like mm-hmm. a little bit like there's like you get to a planet and something's happening as i said but as it is though i i have found it really hard to engage with this game it's not quite for me but yeah i think that like a collective final thoughts for this podcast is so like it basically mirrors if our thesis statement was what we said at the beginning then our conclusion that backs it up is Everyone experiences this game differently, and it doesn't meet anyone's expectations fully. Yep. Like, that is the story of No Man's Sky, and as unfortunate as it is, if you want an open-world game, there are plenty of those. Go play Breath of the Wild. If you wanted a space exploration game, you can play Elite Dangerous or something of that ilk. The If you want something that is a bizarre incorporation of all of these then maybe No Man's Sky is the game that you want to play. I don't know. That's kind of... <laughs> if you like prog rock, though, your options are kind of limited, so... <laughs> that's true. If you love prog rock, just put some on, get in a spaceship, don't touch any yeah. buttons, and just look <laughs> at space for a while. Isn't that more of a psychedelic rock kind of thing? You're probably right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to NoClip this week. What are we talking about next time? <laughs> it is October soon, and <laughs> next time we're going to be kicking off uh, what is going to be a kind of a very busy month for us <laughs> with Harvester, a PC point-and-click adventure game that bucks the expectations of any rational human <laughs> being playing it. It's a uh, personal favorite of both Chad and me. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll be back with that. And uh, we've got a few uh, good no clip pockets planned as well. Uh, until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information can be found at noclippodcast.com or at splattershot.pro. Yes. Uh, there you can find our uh, links to our YouTube, uh, all the previous episodes, email, uh, Twitter, which. Thanks again to Janelle, uh, who's taken over our Twitter and is now posting on our behalf. Um, so yeah, thanks thanks for listening, Space Bears. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had remembered like <laughs> any of the dialogue from uh, Starship Troopers, uh, mm-hmm. like that uh, the propaganda video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. Way to Set your coordinates for the subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the new gag? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> How do you guys feel about, uh, and by you guys, I mean the only person I could possibly address this to is JJ, mm-hmm. uh, about the new Ka- Catherine two balls mm. and a dick. Catherine, Catherine, <laughs> uh, no, Menage a Trois. It has to be renamed to <laughs> the new Catherine. Two balls and a dick. <laughs>